look forward to retirement and avoid the pitfalls. Keep listening for ways to maximize your retirement income. More Than Money with the Popowich Carmelli Advisory Group, CIBC Woodgundy, on News Talk 770. Lifestyle matters. It's more than money. I'm Faisal Carmelli, my co-host here, Dave Popowich. How you doing, buddy? I'm good, Faisal. How about you? Good. I heard you're ready. We both planned the same vacation. Oh, yeah. That's right. Ironically. Mm-hmm. You're coming back and I'm leaving. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're probably just going to swap uh, we'll swap the, uh, the same facility. We can high five on the highway. Yep. Yeah, Jasper. Jasper. Yeah. Have you ever thought, pre-COVID, <laughs> that your vacation for the summer will be in Alberta? <laughs> No, no, no. I, I honestly say no, but I'm not unhappy about it. It's been years since I've been to Jasper, um, and I am looking forward to going back. My kids, of course, have never been there. My wife's from Toronto. She's never been there. So it's a heck of a good opportunity. But but the answer to your question, no, it wouldn't have been first on my we list. We take this province yeah. for granted yeah. sometimes, and now that we kind of need to stay in the province or stay close by, we're doing that, and that's going to be a, an interesting piece. I find that this whole COVID issue... We've been working from home. I have been coming into the office now and then um, to get stuff done. But uh, I've forgotten now, Dave. I've forgotten. Do I work at from home or do I live at work? <laughs> well, it's uh, it's a fuzzy line. We were talking <laughs> about this last night, weren't we? Yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's a fuzzy line. Um, and there's lots of opinions. I've talked to a lot of people about, about the flexibility of, of working at home versus the implications of that, right? You're working all the time. It's interesting, right? There's um there's a change coming. It's in it it's it's happening now. Yeah. Now we just have to figure out what the right balance is and go from there. Go from there. We've got a great show today, my friend. Mm-hmm. We've got uh you know you hear about the relationship between isolation and health problems. Yeah. Um, we've talked about this in the past on our show, but I think we don't have some concrete numbers. We now do. Stats Canada yep. has done some research, yep. so we're going to share that with you. And ooh, a taxpayer was told he owed $4.1 million in taxes. Right. And that resulted into a lawsuit of the individual versus a major bank. Yep. And so that's an interesting case. And how does this whole thing work out? Right. We're going to talk about that on our show. So you want to tune in for that. I want to share some information with you, my okay. friend. Um. As you know, I look at all the numbers of the markets around the world every single month. I put it on a spreadsheet. I get the data and so forth. And I go out as far as 20 years sometimes just to see how the trend has been going. Let me give you some interesting information. The Toronto Stock Exchange, Toronto Stock Market, over the past 20 years to the end of May. Don't count fees. Don't count tax. Don't Just just the return itself. But total return. Total return. Yeah. 5.2%. I'm rounding up here. Compounded average rate of return. Yep. Okay. So if you invested in the Toronto stock market 20 years ago, went to the moon for 20 years and came back, you would have averaged 5.2%. Mm-hmm. No fees, no taxes. Right. If you put your same money in the S&P 500, the largest 500 companies in the United States, in Canadian dollars, mm-hmm. 5.5%. Mm-hmm. If you put it in bonds, 5.6%. Mm-hmm. Now, we're talking 20 years. We're talking the tech wreck. Yep. Everybody remembers Nortel. Yep. We're talking September the 11th. Yep. We're talking the biggest financial crises in modern history with 2008. Yep. How many oil recessions did we have in Alberta? Yep. And now with the the pandemic. Right. All that, and you're averaging 5%-ish. Right. 
That's probably a surprise to most people. That's a big surprise right. to, uh, and that's just the market. So when they say, you know, you got to take into account taxes and all that stuff. Right. How do you expect over the next 10, 20 years to make similar rates of return when everybody has a, a strategy based upon living off of cash flow or some sort of investment that requires more than 5%? Well, let's ask that even slightly differently. Um, I bet that number is surprising to people, yeah. right? Because we talk to a lot of people, and it is not uncommon to hear high single, low double-digit di rates of Correct. return expectations. Correct. Right? And what they're being presented and why they come up with that number is because in the last five years, you might have had a higher rate of return. You know, you, you, you could have had, and, and I'll give you the example, the S&P 500 over the last five years mm -hmm. has done about 12%. Right. So just get me 12% now. Right. Um, no, it's going to be very challenging going forward to me. Well, you need to be nimble, you, right? You, you cannot just rely on the markets. Right. And, and we've learned this over time. We've been doing this for a very long time. I can tell you starting this in, in this industry and doing what I'm doing since 1997, I've learned a lot. Number one, there's a lot of smart people out there mm -hmm. and I follow a lot of smart people. And those smart people are basically saying for the past 15 years, do not depend on the stock market alone. Right. So where are they going? And we've been talking about investing in different ways. One is called an alternative investment. And we've talked about this. Yeah. This is part of our five-pillar investment yeah. strategy approach. Been talking about it for a long time. One group that has done a very good job at diversifying their portfolio, making solid returns for their nation, is the Norwegian Sovereign Wealth Fund. Uh-oh, here we go. You're going to get me riled up now. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Because they've done a very good job. And, and yeah, we have some angst against them in Alberta because, you know, they, they sold some of the shares of companies in Alberta. Well, they're just doing their job. I'm not actually upset with them. Okay. Who are you upset with then? Canadians. What? Mm -hmm. Okay. you got to share this with me. Yeah. So uh, this week, uh, well, not, that's not such true. We'll take you back a couple of months. We were talking about the fact that the uh, Norwegian... Sovereign Wealth Fund, which is the largest wealth fund, sovereign wealth fund in the world, trillion dollars. Yeah. Okay. Built on oil and gas, right? Um, they decided they want to di divest of a number of companies, but four Canadian oil and gas companies that oil sand um, assets, and they were concerned about emissions. Okay, that's fine. That's an investment decision that they make. I'm not upset about that. Uh, we're reporting this week that uh, Norway as a government decided that they're going to cut taxes to the oil and gas industry to spur investment and development, and they're going to open up 125 more offshore parcels for drilling. And they're going to increase, their target is to increase uh, production uh, by 43% in their country. Okay, so let's kind of set the tone here a bit because the Sovereign Wealth Fund, let me use the Canadian Pension Plan. How the Canadian Pension Plan invests has nothing to do with Canada. Correct, not upset with them. They're s totally separate yep. from the, the government of Canada. Yep. So was the Sovereign Wealth Fund in Norway. Correct. No issue. But and I'm guessing you jump in here. The reason why you're upset is because Norway has realized that they need to invest in oil. Well, let me continue. Norway actually would be considered one of the leading green societies, I would think. Yes. Close to 100% of their electricity comes from hydro. They've got the most, on a per capita basis, electric cars. So they've made a commitment to, to go down this path. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Here's where I'm upset. It appears 
that there is a model out there that's working and proven that says we can accomplish our environmental goals while still recognizing that the world will need oil and gas for a while. Mm -hmm. okay? I'm not an environmental expert, so somebody's going to be upset with me for holding this point, no doubt. I have no idea what the greenhouse gas emission or environmental footprint is on drilling an offshore on the Norwegian continental shelf, deep water, versus what the oil sands is. I'm sure somebody knows that. Mm -hmm. But the fact of the matter is Canada leads in many respects in environmental technology with respect to... Energy. Energy. Absolutely. Right. So this is why I say I'm not upset with Norway. I think they've got it figured out. I'm not so, upset with the, with the... So you said one. Canadians. Yeah. Who are you really upset with? Well, is, it, is it you and me as Canadians that you're upset with? Yeah. Our governments are only a reflection. Our policies are a reflection of Canadians. I'm putting it on Canadians. I'm putting it on the industry. Okay. Our industry has done a subpar job at... And our industry, meaning oil and gas industry in Alberta has done a subpar job at explaining the benefits of why Alberta is the place to be to get your oil from. Fair, fair. They can do more. And yes, we can say government has done something or nothing. But at the end of the day, I have seen very little. And I've traveled to other destinations, and I've seen what's being advertised there, what's being promoted there. I see more come to Quebec than I see... Our oil and gas sector is one of the cleanest, if not the cleanest, in the world. All right. Fair. So we have a PR problem here. Right. And we've had a PR problem. Well, we have for a, a PR very problem time. in our country as well as outside of our Correct. country. Correct. And so if we can educate first Canadians right. and then everybody around the world, if you've got your own base, your own Canadian group behind you, it's a but, lot easier to put policy through. For sure. But listen, Nor Norway's discovered something here, that the, they have a resource that's valuable that the rest of the world wants and needs, period, full stop. Okay? Now, they're making a decision to take advantage of that in as responsible a way as they can, given whatever the, you know, the, the, the drilling activity, the nature of that natural resource is. Yeah. Right? And I think as Canadians, we have an obligation to do that same thing. Yeah. So I'm, uh, we can put, there's lots of pointing of fingers that can go on. I'm putting on Canadians. We gotta, we gotta do a better job of taking advantage of the assets that we have. Amen. Okay. Enough said about that. Uh, we have to put all this together, uh, taking advantage of the assets thing. people have to fund the lifestyle that yeah, they want. It's right? all about your assets and how you use it through retirement. We're going to talk about our solution to bulletproof your retirement Tuesday, July 21st, 7 p.m. Live online. Go to morethanmoneyradio.com to register. That's morethanmoneyradio.com to register. Stick around after the break. We're going to talk to Statistics Canada about how social isolationism can actually kill you. We're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Um, we talk often uh, about uh, seniors and the effect of social isolationism, mm -hmm. something I've experienced personally through my mom to some extent. Uh, my father. Your father as yep. well. That's right. So something we know a little bit about. Uh, Statistics Canada, though, has uh, crunched some numbers to take a look at the impact, the, the, the physical impact of social isolationism. And primarily attached to COVID. Yeah. You know, it, it, this has been a really hard time for many Canadians. Well, absolutely. We were talking about this last night. Yep. And how many people, and we, we were lucky enough to have a conversation with other professionals in other parts of the finance world, and they were saying that their clients are losing it, yep. quote unquote. Yep. And there's a, a large demographic of, of people who are isolated 
by not choice of their own. And it is showing some impact. And when you have, we'll call them seniors, mm-hmm. the their, their social uh, isolation has caused some big impacts where Stats Canada is starting to record this information. Well, and I want to make this I want to make this a human experience for a moment because I've had an experience recently that I want to share prior to inviting our guest in to talk about this okay. is uh, for the first time in probably three three and a half months, uh, my mom is in a long term care facility, and the care facility with the restrictions removing um, put in place a visitation program. Mm-hmm. Now they've done a very good job of isolating. There was no case of COVID. Everybody was safe. Fantastic. So I get to go uh, to see my mom, and they had set it up in a certain way, so there was no risk of interaction and so on and so forth. But And it was a half-an-hour visit. At the end of that half-an-hour visit, um, and my mom suffers dementia, as you know, and most of our listeners know, we had to say goodbye. And she, you know, she looked at me and said, can you take me with you? Mm. And it was heartbreaking. Yeah. Right? So you could see that experience that she had had for the last three and a half months. Anyways, before I start to cry, let's talk about, uh, <laughs> you know, let, let's talk about this on a broader scale because yeah. um, it's not just my mom that's going through it. And, and it's not just COVID, although it's really accentuating the problem given the, given the um, restrictions that have been put in place. So but- let's get some of the effects of what's happened in this. We've got Pamela Ramage-Moore and Senior Analyst with Statistics Canada. Pamela, thank you for joining us on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me, Dave Basil. Well, let's let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the effects of isolation on seniors. Um, you guys, uh, StatsCan, Statistics Canada has done some analysis. Why don't you share with us at a high level what you're finding? Yes. Well, back in 2008, 2009, we did a community Canadian Community Health Survey, and some of your listeners certainly may have contributed to that. And from that, we were able to establish um, people who we classified as being socially isolated. And then for those who gave their permission, we linked forward to our vital statistics death data. And what we found, uh, we measured social isolation in two different ways. But regardless, social isolation has an impact on health status, and it can have a direct impact on survival time, on mortality. So those are two (laughs) very big big issues so, so let me kind of go through the process you went through and please pamela let jump in and say if i'm if i'm if i'm not uh showing or describing the process properly you surveyed a bunch of people 2008 2009 you look forward mm-hmm. and you look at those participants and uh and where they are in their life the ones who who in the survey said that they have a high level of social social isolation there was a, a quite a large percentage of those individuals who passed away Yes, so the we measured social isolation in two different ways because while we intuitively have a sense of what it means, it's a bit difficult to measure on a survey. So we looked at it two ways. We looked at it uh, objectively, and that's just measuring. Um, people were asked how often they participated in community events, educational events, uh, sporting, any kind of event, and we tallied them up. And people who participated less than weekly we considered that to be socially isolated. And then we also look subjectively, and we, we uh, through interview questions, people who express some loneliness and a weak sense of belonging to their community, they were also classified as social isolation. And there was some overlap between those two groups, but regardless how we measured it, uh, the people who were socially isolated were more likely to die between the survey in 2008 and nine and 2017 than those who weren't socially isolated. And we have to remember this is this is the pre-COVID um, right. situation where 
um, social isolation perhaps wasn't at such a severe level as it might be uh, experienced in the present, but was really looking at the the long-term impact. And certainly transitions, COVID could be uh, looked at as a transition in the same way that retirement could be or the loss of a spouse. Those transitions can lead to social isolation. When it becomes long-term and chronic, it, it certainly appears to, to affect health and also affect um, your survival. Was there a difference between men and women after the survey and, and your your findings from that? The um, With our objective measure of social isolation, which was low participation, almost uh, one in four seniors, uh, and this is the household population. This doesn't cover uh, people who are living in long-term care, but 24%, over a million seniors, were considered low uh, participators. And men and women, there was no difference. Uh, for subjective isolation, it was about 12%, but women were higher than men, 15% of women and 10% of men. And so that was over half a million people. Um, and what we found is with the uh, low participation, there was a direct impact on mortality, as well as social isolation affects your health, which then in turn affects your mortality. Mm-hmm. So there was a bit of a direct path and an indirect path, if you like. So that was um, the question for, I was going to ask, Pamela. Is it is it health problems e- uh, lead to isolation or isolation leads to health problems? Kind of like a chicken and the egg conversation we're going to have here. Yeah, well, that is, that is an absolute excellent point um, because it, it can and likely does go both ways in that... Um, if you're isolated, it tends to impact your health. And then if you have poor health, then it's harder to participate. I think what this demonstrates is that um, we think of good nutrition and physical activity. These are all behaviors that help enhance our health. And we have to actively work towards um, social engagement and participation within our own limits. Um, So certainly as health declines, there may be more limits on your ability to participate, but it's still important for individuals and for society to allow people to to engage, both for quality of life and and for their overall health. Pamela, I think it's interesting, often we have this conversation with medical professionals and whatnot, but to have the statistics behind this show, what the impact of that is, uh, is I think very valuable in terms of heightening awareness and um, and the impact it has on health and quality of life. So I want to thank you for your time today and sharing with us the, the results um, of that study. Good. Thank you very much for having me. We've been joined by Pamela Ramage-Morin, who's a senior analyst at Statistics Canada. Uh, the health bucket is a passion of yours. We've been talking a lot about it um, over the past couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, for all kinds of reasons. Uh, it's one of the aspects of a good quality retirement. And you've nailed it when you said quality of care yeah. and and the quality of your lifestyle yeah. through retirement yeah. and many people realize where they when when they're in retirement that it's not going to be the same at the beginning of retirement right. uh, as it will be at the end of retirement things are going right. to change yeah and most of the, most times it's medically that things are going to change your yeah. health is going to change very few people won't be impacted by a medical change in their life yeah right? and, and so if there is a health change for you the number one thing that comes after you realize the change is how am I going to 
pay for this. That's right. How am I going to have that quality of care? Because I know I got to pay out of pocket. Right. So how do you build a strategy to have income, this health care, taxes, right. all the stuff that's going on, yep. you need a strategy. And we're going to talk about that strategy with you live on our webinar, Tuesday, July 21st, 7 p.m., live online, but you need to register in advance. Go to morethanmoneyradio.com. That's morethanmoneyradio.com to register. Stick around after the break. We're going to talk about a tax mistake that nearly cost millions of dollars to one taxpayer. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Your favorite topic, my friend, is tax. Oh. Taxes. Oh, you mean when it comes to the financial world? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And not overpaying. And then making sure you're filing properly because if you don't, there can be some problems. There were, there were many cases in the last, call it 10 years, where taxpayers have made some errors Maybe in some cases they've omitted or forgot stuff, and then CRA comes back and says you've made a mistake, and they have to start making payments or interest yeah, and penalties. penalties so. yeah. But this one caught our attention. Yeah, this is something that many listeners can learn from on what went wrong, and really at the end of the day, who's responsible? Yes, that's the key lesson here. Right. So. Let's figure out this situation, This we'll call it a case, and understand what came out of it from the courts. Yep. We've got Jamie Golombek, Managing Director, Tax and Estate Planning at CIBC Private Wealth Management. Jamie, welcome back. Thanks for having me. Okay. Let's start off with the case. Let's, let's kind of give people some background before we go right into the details of this case. This case involves a tax document called a T-5008. Now, that gets some people excited when they hear those kind of numbers and letters getting put together. Most Canadians have no idea what the heck that is. Uh, give us some background on what T5008 is. Yeah, so this slip's been around for decades. Uh, it's not well known. Uh, the T5008 slip um, is essentially a, a form that reports all the dispositions of securities that you had during the year. So, for example, if you sold a units of a mutual fund or if you sold shares, and this, of course, this applies only to a non-registered account in which there could be a tax bill when, on the sale of, of property. Um, then a copy of this form is sent to you as the individual who needs to report it on their tax return. And an electronic copy is also filed with the CRA. So in other words, just like we get T4 slips for employment income or T5 slips for investment income or T3 slips from mutual funds, um, we also get a T5008 slip that shows all the securities that we've disposed of in a particular year, and then we have an obligation to report those on our tax return. CRA is checking because they are getting a digital electronic copy, and they can eventually match it up in a matching process and see if you've fully reported all your dispositions and, of course, any capital gains arising from those. So let's go into the case. What was the story when it came out to this taxpayer who ended up owing $4.1 million in taxes. Well, it is one of the strangest cases I've ever read because this is actually not a tax case. It is not through the Tax Code of Canada. This was a civil case. It was an Ontario civil case where the taxpayer sued his broker, which in ca which case was T to Waterhouse. And what happened was, and again, very, very unusual case. I've never seen a case like this in my, my entire uh, tax career is you had a client that was basically a client of the discount brokerage. So discount brokerage means no advice, right? So you do everything on your own. 
Um, he was doing some high volume trading back in 2009. And at the end of the year, TD issued uh, a number of T5008 slips uh, reporting all of his dispositions. Now, back in 2009, it was common practice. In fact, it wasn't until even a year or two ago that on the T5008, all they reported was the dispositions and the gross proceeds that a taxpayer received. So for years, uh, most of the financial services industry left the adjusted cost base or the book cost blank. Uh, simply because they weren't sure what it really was, if the securities were transferred from another account, it was uncertain. So, you know, for years, the industry practice was to, to leave it uh, as zero, and that was very, very common. So what happened was, of course, is the T5008s were filed electronically, and uh, he had massive losses. Like, he didn't do well from his online trading. So effectively, uh, what happened was he decided, in conjunction with some advice he got, which I think was misguided, uh, he didn't declare anything on his return. Because basically he said, I've got losses, I can't use them anyway because capital losses can only be used against capital gains. I'm simply not going to report them. He didn't report them. CRA comes back and audits them, and they take the proceeds because they don't have the cost, and they assess his income at $5.2 million, and then assess his taxes and interest and penalties. The total was $4.1 million. The reality was, though, that he actually had only losses, and his employment income was just under $10,000. So... Uh, of course, what happened, eventually he had to, uh, you know, settle with the CRA and he got it all straightened out. Uh, he showed that, in fact, he did have uh, ACB, uh, cost base on those shares, and they, they dismissed all the tax. In the meantime, of course, he lost his job, he had enormous stress, and it was a big problem. So he tried to sue uh, the brokerage for saying you didn't correctly report the amounts. Now, one thing we should add is that even in those days, they always issued a separate statement to the client uh, with all the dispositions. They called it the T5008 report, and they issued it to the client, which actually did fill in all the book values, and that could be used to report it. So at the end of the day, of course, he lost the case. No surprise, surprise. Um, today, depending on who you use, uh, it's pretty common that uh, most uh, brokerage firms, I think including uh, CIBC, uh, does try to report the book value when it's known uh, on the T5008, so that hopefully this won't be an issue. But it's still important to remember, and this is a message that I tell people about the case, which is, again, very unusual, that they must report all their capital gains every single year. And in fact, even a capital loss, you should report so that you can, of course, claim it in a future year. At the end of the day, did the courts not say the responsibility of proving the cost base and the disposition still lies in the hands of the client, not the financial institution, and in this case, TD? Yeah, that's absolutely right. So at the end of the day, in Canada, of course, as we've talked about many times on the show, uh, the Canadian system is one of honesty and self-reporting. Uh, we have a self-assessment system. If you dispose of something during the year, you have an obligation to file a tax return and report the gain or loss on that, even if it's a loss. So that's the requirement. Disposal of capital property requires the filing of return. It is a self-assessment system. The T5 does may just act as a background check. I mean, same thing, if you claim that you didn't get your T4 from your employer, uh, it doesn't mean you don't file a return and don't declare the income. Uh, you still have an obligation. You earn the income, you receive the income, you've got to report it, even if you never received the slip. So very, very important lesson from the case. Now, in this case, the, the individual did not file an income tax return on these, these losses um, and had to go through a whole bunch of work. That was given by, by, on advice by his accountant, I believe, according to the case. 
That's correct. That's right. So I think that was uh, poor advice. And so when it comes to working with an accountant, what kind of information should you provide? Because I find in my in my experience, Dave, you can jump mm-hmm. in here, that many uh, of our clients' accountants will simply just take the information, input it as a, a, for filing purposes, and that's it. There's right. no checks to make sure everything is accurate. Right. Yeah, any logic test against what, is this right? Or are we missing something? Correct. Right. And so at what point does the accountant need to speak with the client? And at what point does the client need to either speak to the brokerage or the accountant to say, let's double check everything to make sure these numbers are right? Well, I think the client has the ultimate responsibility to check their return. There have been other cases we've talked about over the years where clients, you know, hire an accountant, the return is complicated. They just sign on the last page and they send it in. And, uh, oh, they claim, I didn't know what I was signing. I was told to sign here. Uh, That doesn't fly. So at the end of the day, you really have to be responsible for what's in your return. I tell everyone that they should know where every number is coming from. So if you see a number on page one, page two, page three, you've got to know where it's coming from. Does it make sense? Is it reasonable? At the end of the day, this is the taxpayer's responsibility. Uh, Hopefully the accountant is doing a good job, but the ultimate responsibility is of the taxpayer. We have to leave it there, Jamie. Thank you very much for your time. My pleasure. Been joined by Jamie Golenbach, Managing Director, Tax and Estate Planning, CIBC Wealth Management. Always good information. Taxes um, can be very complicated, right? And so, on the one hand, uh, you know, most people aren't tax accountants, but you have to be to some degree, right? Or you have to be curious enough to, as Jamie said, understand what's on each of those lines. Because yeah. ultimately, tax is going to be one of the biggest single line items that you're going to have to deal with in retirement. That it can will, impact retirement lifestyle. It will erode your money over right. your retirement. Right. And so not only understanding where the numbers are, but knowing how to minimize tax and the strategies behind that, we're going to discuss that at our webinar on Tuesday, July 21st, 7 p.m., live online, but you need to register. So go to morethanmoneyradio.com. That's morethanmoneyradio.com to register. All right, stick around after the break because we're going to discuss how COVID might be a disaster for your retirement. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You were here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Uh, this is the segment where we often talk about experiences that we've had or conversations that are consistent amongst yeah. clients and people we talk to. And we talked <clears throat> before the break about how COVID could be disastrous for your retirement. Yeah. And... And I think maybe when we said that, people were thinking about, oh, your retirement as in a financial right. issue. Right. Not always the case. No. And that, that, that's the story. We got a story within a story here. Okay. Okay. Because I thought this week reminded me of a story I heard a long time ago. And let me share it with you, and then we'll build on it for the experience that this person that we're thinking of. Okay. Okay. This is, this is about retirement. Okay. okay. And, the, and the journey to retirement and through retirement. Gotcha. All right. So it's, uh, the story is about an investment banker. Um, let's make him an American. He was in a Mexican town, and he sees a fisherman come in, a Mexican fisherman come in, and he's got um, a couple of, uh, of fish, and he was complimenting them on his fish. Okay? So um, the Mexican says, uh, the American says to the Mexican, why don't, you know, how long did it take you to catch those fish? He said, oh, just a little while. Uh, well, how long? Well, I, just, I was out for a couple of hours, and why didn't you stay out longer and catch more fish? The Mexican's response was, well, because that's what I need to satisfy my family's uh, requirements for the day. Yeah. The story goes on and, uh, and you know, he says, well, but if you stayed out more and caught more fish, you could make more money. And the Mexican says, well, what, so how would I do that? 
Well, here's what you do. You stay out, you catch more, you bring it in, you finance it by a bigger boat, catch more fish, then you get a fleet of boats and a fleet of fishermen, and you cut out the middleman, then you become the wholesaler and you increase your profit margin, and one thing leads to another, and then you IPO your business, and you make millions of dollars. How long will all this take, he says? Well, I don't know, 20 years. What do I do at the end of that? Well, he says, then you retire to Mexico on a beach, get a little, a little boat, and go fishing. <laughs> Okay. Okay. I'm already here. <laughs> so that's what he said. The <laughs> Mexican guys looking at him going, "Yeah, but I'm already here." Yeah. Hey, uh, wow. Right. So it's just it's this journey. Now that that's a relevant story to the conversation that we had that you had. Yeah. This so so I sat down with with one of our clients, and he and I had a heart to heart, and and he he's in the sales business. Mm-hmm. He sells and he travels, mm-hmm. and because of COVID. His travel has changed. Normally, he would travel to one part of the country in Canada, do his sales meetings, hang out with the boys a couple of times, a couple of days, and yep. then come back. Yep. Right? So it turns into a bizcation. Okay. Okay. Now, with COVID, everything being shut down, especially in parts of Ontario where he was traveling to, his bizcation turned into a sales meeting. At a long distance, so you're yeah, yeah. you're not sitting close by, shaking hands, yep. high fiving, and then no social interaction after that. Solitary confinement. After Solitary confinement. In theory, what yeah. he would do is he would go for a walk and stuff yeah. like that. And he said, "Do you know? Do you know how long two days is, Faisal?" I said, I th- "Last time I checked, it was forty eight hours, <laughs> give or take, give or take." <laughs> and then he goes, do, "Do you know how much thinking you can do in forty eight hours if you're just walking around, yeah. you know, Gatineau, Quebec?" And I'm like, a lot. Yeah. yeah. And he goes, did you know what I realized when I was walking around and just looking at everything? And I could have gone fishing. I could have done this. I could have done that. Like so many other activities I could have done. And I realized one thing, Faisal. I realized my own mortality. Yeah. I realized that this is not going to last forever. And now I'm debating in my head, why did I do all this? Right. Going back to your story, why did I build all this success just to go back to becoming a fisherman in a small boat? Well, but you, you, you know, you asked him when we talked about this, you, you, the conversation included things like, why, why are you doing that? Well, because I make money and I can make more money. I and, can make more money and then right. I can put more aside so I can do more in my retirement. Right, right. And I said, what would, what would an extra $500,000 mean for you? Right. And his eyes opened up. It's a big number. Right. He goes, I can do a lot. I go more than what you can do now. Yeah, more fishing. Yeah, like what will fi- like what is, is the five hundred thousand stopping you from right. from retiring? And and he goes, you know, I don't know. Right. I don't know what I want to do now. Right. Do I want to pull the pin, retire, live off my savings, or do I continue doing this? Mm-hmm. And I go, welcome to figuring out what we call the enlightenment period. Mm-hmm. You're finding out what your own purpose in life is, what's important to you. You're now prioritizing those 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 individual items. And welcome to the to the club. Well, this, because it, this is a big yep. big change for many people. Yeah. And I'm gonna I'm gonna pick on some of our male clients. They have the hardest time transitioning into retirement because their definition of who they were was what they were doing in their in their jobs in their careers, and that was their social interaction. Mm-hmm. I'm one of them. I'm in, I'm in the same boat, pretty much. 
Which is fine, actually. Let, let's not. But at some point, this client of ours, Faisal, will have to look and say, what else do I have to do? So that's where we've been talking about building other social networks outside of the office. Yeah. Because 40 years from now, I'm not going to be in the office. You might be. I want to challenge that a little bit. Yeah. I, I don't think I could ever leave right. personally, but I might not. I might be forced to. Right. Right? Health might not allow me to. Right. So then what do I do? And so when you start realizing your own mortality, mm -hmm. you start realizing that life is bigger than just the money you bring in. The money is the means to the end. It's not the end. Yeah. So you're too young to have had that mortality moment yet. Oh, okay. Have you had it? Oh, yeah. Have you? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. I've had mine. Well, your, yours was a different reaction than mine. Right. I, I had my moment, right? I've gone through that. It was my 49th year as I was approaching 50, and then yep. it went through to, you know, f fairly recently. I, it, took, it took two, two and a half years to go through it, and I started questioning it. You, you and I talk about this. I always get to the I, – I, I conceptualize it like this. It's the 30 summers test, mm -hmm. right? I have 30 summers left. And we know here these summers can go by pretty quickly. Yeah, it's about a weekend. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> it, it, it focuses me on what am I doing what I want to be doing with the people I want to be doing it with and having the experience that I want that to be. And nowhere did you say in that comment, and I have to have a certain amount of money for it. Right. You do know you have a lifestyle. Right. And everybody does. And these points of trigger is what are triggering points. COVID, death of a friend, family member your own physical health, things will pop up in a person's life and they will say, oh, no, right. I'm not going to be as healthy or live as long as I thought I could. Right. It's not forever. Right. So what's really important for yeah. me going forward? Yeah. And that part is the quality of your retirement. The financial is the quantity that meets the need for the quality. Yeah. Yeah. It's not to say you... I mean, I guess if you wanted to be that Mexican fisherman, you probably have a different cost of lifestyle than Absolutely. you know living in Calgary, Toronto, Vancouver, Manhattan, whatever the case may be. So, but it is that that client they, they came in with some concerns about uh, about some stuff around currencies and whatnot. And you know, you when you asked them yeah. and you drilled it down, this is where we the started, conversation we ended up. We talking about politics and right. how it's going to impact their their the future of this world. Right. And I said, why are we talking about this? Yeah, like, did really you wake up on? one morning and worry about, is Justin Trudeau going to raise the tax rates on everybody in Canada? Was right. that your, was that your, your, your wake up? Right. And, and, and he goes, no. It, it was, I was worried about, what if I lost my job at the end of the month? What the heck would I do? Yeah. And if I have my job at the end of the month, what the heck am I going to do? Right. But that wasn't it either. Like, it was the trigger was not, the trigger was not the headline news story. Well, it, it, it was none of that. It was, I had two days to think, and all of a sudden, what crept into my head is, this is going to end at some point. Am I doing what I want to be yeah. doing? Right? Oh, yeah. You questioned yeah. all of that stuff at that moment, Life's that mortality purpose. moment. Yeah. yeah, life's purpose. And so when it comes time to actually building a retirement plan, yes, we do the numbers. Yes, you need to crunch them. But it has to be attached to some sort of quality of life. Yeah. And that's what we An talk experience. about, the experience and the journey. Yep. Right. So for the experience, for the journey, yep. to understand how you can achieve that when you want to figure out how does the financial world catches up to what your journey is. Yep. You need to put that all in writing. You need to have a strategy in place. And we're going to talk about that strategy. We call it bulletproofing your retirement. 
And we're going to have a webinar on Tuesday, July 21st, 7 p.m., live online. Now, you need to go to our website to register. Go to morethanmoneyradio.com. That's morethanmoneyradio.com to register. Okay, well, thank you for sticking around. I thought that was a very interesting show. Um, We appreciate you joining us, and we're going to do it all again next week, and we hope to chat with you then. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada.